Today I want to talk to you about something that has the power to change your marriage for better. Really, if you think about it, it has the power to change just about any relationship in a more positive direction. It'll help you be a better leader. It'll help you be a better parent. I believe this quality, this virtue we're going to talk about can really, if you think about it, revolutionize your life. And yet it's something that I think we don't give enough credit to. And yet as we read through the pages of the Bible, we see it's something that's very significant, very important. I want to talk about kindness and goodness. And I've defined kindness this way. Kindness is goodness in action. I want to tell you a story about a a young man by the name of Joel Prusak. Joel Prusak worked at Dairy Queen, and he was working one day, and everything was going just fine, and there was an older gentleman who, in fact, was blind, and he was getting into his pocket to get out money to pay, and he pulled out a $20 bill, and he dropped it. And so he didn't, I don't know, he had several bills in his hand, didn't realize what he'd actually dropped, and, and he went on and fumbled through. Well, there's somebody behind this blind man who saw what was happening actually a lady and she picked up the $20 bill and would you believe she just stuffed it in her pocket like it was her own and so there's a young man Joel Prusak who was working there watching all of this transpire and so he goes up to this lady who stuffed the $20 bill in her pocket and he said "Uh, ma'am the gentleman right there dropped that money and she said oh no it's my it was my money in fact she got quite aggressive with him and she wasn't about ready to give that $20 back. So imagine you're in this situation. You work at Dairy Queen. You see this blind older man drops the money, doesn't realize he even does it as he's fumbling through to pay. What would you do if you had been in that situation? Here's what young Joey Prusak did. He pulled out his wallet, and he took out a $20 bill, and he said, Sir, you, you, you dropped this. And he handed it to him and went on his way. You know, it wasn't a big deal, small act. And yet somebody in line was watching what was happening. And so in this age of, you know, instant communications, this person decided they were to write an email and send it to headquarters, send it to Dairy Queen, the Dairy Queen's headquarters. Dairy Queen heard about this wonderful act of kindness and goodness, and so they sent out an email, you know, to all of their employees thanking young Joel, Joey Prozac for doing what it, Prozac, uh, Prozac for doing what he did. And one of their benefactors, one of their board members, one of their big-time investors heard about the story. He's a man by the name of Warren Buffett. Buffett hears about the story. He's just amazed at this young man's kindness, generosity, goodness. He calls Joey and says, hey, we're having a board meeting coming up in a few weeks. I'd like to fly you to our board meeting. You you need to tell this story. I want other people to meet you because you're the kind of employee that we want to have more of in in our company. A simple act, didn't think anyone knew about it, showed his high character, and incredible kindness and goodness. And it's that that I want to talk about for just a moment today because, as I said, I think that simple virtue has the power to impact a lot of people's lives for good. Now, the first thing you need to know about kindness and goodness, 
that I want us to understand today is that God is both kind and good. Now, when we talk about the goodness of God, we can see God's goodness both in who he is and what God does. Psalm 119, verse 68 says, You are good, and what you do is good. I'd suggest today that God is the definition of good. If you want to know what goodness looks like, well, take a look at God. God is good in his person, but God is also good in what God does. God's ways are always good. I mean, as we look at all the ways he's blessed our lives, the goodness of God is seen in his creation. We walk outside at night and we stare up at the sky and we see the beautiful creation that God has created. And it's just amazing. But God's, God's goodness is seen in the fact that he blesses the, the, those who you know, are doing good and those who aren't. God just blesses us. That's who, that's who God's, God is. But God's goodness, I think, is displayed most prominently in Jesus himself. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, Paul was preaching, and Paul made this simple statement about Jesus. He said he went around doing good. God is good, but also God is kind. Again, we we see that kindness is goodness in action. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 63 and verse 11, I will tell of the kindness, the kindnesses of the Lord. His kindness is seen in so many ways. His kindness is seen in how patient he is. His kindness is seen in how he expresses love, how he's lavished love on us. I like what Paul says about the kindness of God. I don't know if you thought about it this way or not, but but Paul says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 that God's kindness is intended to do something in us. It's intended to motivate us to repent. You see, because God is not harsh or vindictive or indifferent, because of that, I'm drawn to God. And once again, God's kindness is seen most clearly in Jesus. Now, you know, I don't really like those preachers that are constantly using the Greek language in their sermons, and they kind of want to, you know, present themselves as some, you know, Greek scholar, you know, like they have a PhD in ancient languages because they know the, you know, word for baptism is baptizo. You know, I really don't like those preachers. But on occasion, knowing something of the Greek language is fascinating, and it really, really helps us to see something we've never seen before. This week I learned something in my study. I learned that the Greek word for kindness is the word krestos, C-H-R-E-S-T-O-S, krestos. You know what the Greek word for Christ is? It's Christos, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-S. And so when you say kindness, krestos, it almost sounds like Jesus or Christ, Christos, krestos, Christos. And so what I would want to say is, when we want to know what kindness is, you look at Jesus, because he exudes kindness. And we see his kindness all through his ministry, don't we? We see it as Jesus paid attention to folks others ignored. We see it in John 8, as this woman is used as a pawn. She was caught in the very act of adultery. She's brought before Jesus. And Jesus doesn't judge her. He doesn't condemn her. What does he do? He loves her, and he calls her to a higher life, but he expresses kindness to her. 
we see the kindness of Jesus in one of my favorite stories in Mark chapter 1 where this man comes to Jesus and he was covered with leprosy. He was someone people overlooked. He was someone that people didn't want to be in, in their presence. He was ceremonially unclean. And what did Jesus do? The man came and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, willing? If I'm willing, c- come here. And Jesus put his hands on the man. He loved him. He expressed the simple kindness of touching the man. And immediately he was, he was clean. Jesus was kind, but we know the, the Bible now is calling us as followers of Christ to be kind. And so that brings us to that passage that was read to us just a moment ago, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verses 29 through 32. And if so, if we're going to be, be kind then there are some things I think we need to get rid of. This passage illuminates those. So in verse 31 of Ephesians 4, it says, get rid of all bitterness, all bitterness. Bitterness is an attitude of resentment. And it's so easy to spot a person who's experiencing the corrosive influence of bitterness, isn't it? These are the people that are prone to anger. They're critical. They're hypersensitive. They have difficulty in resolving conflicts in relationships. They have this inner resentful spirit. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness. Then he adds a couple of other words, rage and anger. Because when a person is bitter, well, it builds up in them, and they become angry at people, and they rage. And it leads to brawling and slander and every form of malice. And Paul says, get rid of all of that. Malice is ill will toward other people. It's thinking bad about other people. It's acting bad toward other people. Paul says, get rid of all of that. Instead, he says, what are we to be? We're to be kind. Kind toward one another. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Kindness grows in us as we allow the Holy Spirit of God to take up residence in us. Kindness is what happens as we, as we remain connected to the, to the vine. Kindness is a manifestation of love, says Paul. Or he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4, love is, is kind. But kindness, I'm convinced, and I love Paul's next word in this passage, be kind. Some of your translations say compassionate, but I, I like the translation that renders that phrase tenderhearted. Be kind and tenderhearted to one another. When you're kind, you exude that spirit You'll have empathy and sympathy toward others. You will be tender-hearted toward them. And then he says, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God has forgiven you. Think about your marriage for just a moment. You want to have an awesome marriage? I mean, it's kind of simple and kind of basic. But if we begin treating one another with kindness, if we're tender-hearted toward one another, And if we forgive each other, I want to tell you, you're going to have a dynamic marriage. Now, if you you eliminate any one of those three, you're going to struggle in your relationship. And so this morning, as we come to the end of this message, I I want to do something, uh, I want to apply this idea of of kindness. And I want to apply this this principle or this idea of kindness in in a couple of ways. I want to, first of all, I want us to apply it to ourselves. I want us to be kind to ourselves. Notice how you talk to yourself. Now, I know we're in church, but 
Can we be honest for just a second? We talk to ourselves, right? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you know, you talk to yourself. You listen to what you say to yourself because sometimes we say things to ourselves we would never think of saying to someone else. And so we say to ourselves, Kevin, you are so stupid. Can't believe you did that. Kevin, you are so, you are so, think about what you say to yourself. I think we need to apply a verse that was read in this passage a few moments ago to ourselves. Ephesians 4.29, where Paul says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up that it may benefit those who listen. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths about, about yourself. Be kind to yourself. You see, what happens is we're not very kind to ourselves. We, we, we have this negative self-talk. And as a result, we tear down our own psyche. I once heard someone describe depression in this way, and it's one of the greatest definitions of depression I've ever heard. Someone said depression is anger turned inward. Think about that. Depression happens when we get angry. Who knows for what reason, but we get angry with ourselves. And we turn that anger inward and we begin to talk down to ourselves. And as a result, that spirals down into depression. It's anger turned inward. God loves you. You be kind to yourself. But I want to also imply it to others. We need to be kind to other people. Now, I want to tell you three things that other people need. Now, you know, sometimes I can't remember what I preach from week to week. I know that might sound crazy. I can't remember what I preached last week. But there are times when I hear a sermon, and that sermon is so impactful and so good that I'll never forget that sermon. I heard a sermon that Scott Sager preached to us on a Wednesday night four summers ago, and I've never forgotten what he said. It was almost like at the very end of his message, he said something that I thought, wow, that is good. He said, people, everyone needs three things. If you want to exercise kindness to other people, here are three things you can do that are very, very important. He said, first of all, everyone needs a smile. Isn't that right? Every person needs a smile. I was in a quick mart just three days ago, and I'm, I'm getting some, you know, a Coke and some peanuts or something, and, and I'm standing in line. I'm two behind, and there's the lady behind the counter, and I can tell this lady, it, she's having a bad day. I mean, she's really struggling. And people are being curt and hurried and, and all the rest. And so I'm standing there, and I stood up. I, I came to the, to the head of the line. I handed her my stuff, and I looked at her, and I just smiled. And how do you think she responded to me? He's crazy. Look at him smiling. No, no, she, they, she didn't respond that way. She responds like everyone responds. When I looked at her and smiled, it's like she took a deep breath and she smiled back at me. And I thought, that's what everybody needs. We, we all need a smile. I think I've told you before, when I was learning to preach, our our preaching professor said to me, he said, stand up there with a making friends face. Because preachers, a lot of times, you know, they'll get up there and it's so urgent and it's so important. We're preaching the word of God, you know, we're preaching the truth. And we get up there and we have this serious, almost scowl on our face. And yet, and yet, 
we need a making friends face. Everybody needs a smile. Hey, this preacher needs a smile, so I need to see some smiles on y'all's face, all right? Because, I mean, sometimes, sometimes I'm preaching at you, and I mean, I don't know if I, it's because I'm preaching at you or what, but you got some serious looks on your face. Everyone needs a smile, but here's something else everyone needs. Number two, and it's, it's a way we express kindness. Everyone needs a word. We express kindness through our words. I'm going to quote Ephesians 4.29 again, but that passage to me is powerful because our words have the power to build up or to destroy. One of the things I hope you receive when you come here on Sundays, I hope you get words from other people that help build you up and encourage you. You know, one of the things I'll tell people as they go through our new member orientation, I'll meet with every new member, and I'll say something like, the last thing we expect of you, because we have some expectations, I will say, help us, help us create unity. Help us maintain unity. Your words are so very important. Your words can tear down or your words can build up. It's a lot easier to tear down. It's a little more difficult, isn't it, to build and your words have that kind of power. Parents, your words have that kind of power with your, with your kid, kiddos. Uh, moms, your words have a lot of power. Dads, your words have a lot of power. And so everyone needs a word. Everyone needs a smile. And finally, everyone needs a touch. Everyone needs a touch. One of the things about Jesus, I think, that made him such a magnetic personality is that Jesus was constantly touching people. I mentioned already in this sermon that Jesus touched some people others would not touch. Mark 1, when that leper was brought to Jesus, it's an it's a important detail in the story when Mark says that Jesus touched him. I don't know if that man had been touched. He probably hadn't been touched in years. Jesus reached out and touched him. There's great power in touch. One of the things we do in our elders' meetings, um, in our shepherds' meetings, we'll bring in um, uh, members or um, leaders or ministry leaders. And one of the things we'll do in that meeting is we'll put them in the circle and, and we'll get around and we'll put our hands on them. Why is that? There's something powerful about touch. You look at the ministry of Jesus. People were bringing their children to Jesus to sit on his lap so he'd put their hands to touch, touch them. There's something powerful about a touch. And so on Sunday mornings when we gather, you know, there's a lot of handshaking, a lot of, a lot of embracing. There's something powerful about that. In this cold world, everyone needs a smile. Everyone needs a word. And everyone needs a touch. And that's one of the ways we can express kindness. I want to say one other thing before I close today. You know, maybe the most difficult thing about being kind is to be kind to those who are unkind to us. And maybe everything I've said up to this point in the sermon, you're nodding, yeah, that's pretty good, yeah, I agree with that, yeah, that I, people need smiles and touches and, and all the rest, words, but what about those people who aren't, aren't very kind to us? Listen to the words that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, maybe some of the most difficult words to apply in all of our Bibles. Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love even your enemies. Here's what Fred, Frederick Beekner said in his book, The Magnificent Defeat. He said, the love for equals is a human thing. 
friend to friend, brother for brother. The love for the less fortunate is a beautiful thing. Love for those who suffer, for the poor, the sick. The love for the more fortunate is a rare thing. To love those who succeed when, when we fail, to rejoice without envy with those who rejoice. And then there's the love for the enemy. Love for the one who does not love you but mocks, threatens, and inflicts pain. This is God's love and it conquers the world. And how do we love like that? I think it brings us back to that passage that Paul quoted when he said, be kind and compassionate, tenderhearted toward one another. Forgive each other just as in Christ God has forgiven you. Though we were opposed to God, though we were enemies of God, though we ignored God or said bad things about God, still loves us what does the cross say the cross says god is kind even to those who are his enemies so this morning have you responded have you repented